Hey friends, welcome to the Love Intently podcast, where each week I bring you relationship experts, inspiring couples, and first-class relationship thought leaders from around the world. I'm on a mission to explore what exactly makes love last and to empower a generation to have strong relationships. I'm your host, Sophie Kwok, the chief love enthusiast who believes that relationships are the most important part of our lives. And if you're looking to build a stronger relationship or to take a proactive approach towards love, loveintently.com hosts an array of articles, podcasts, resources, and love tips to help you build and keep strong relationships. I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. On this episode, Shruti and Hank share real practical wisdom on being married to someone who has a massively different cultural upbringing from you. They share what's worked for them and how they have navigated their families of different cultures. Shruti is an Indian-born, American-bred, culturally Hindu, Christian by faith. She's a blogger, content creator, and influencer at The Honest Truth, while Hank is a Texas-born engineer. They share their journey of dating through college, working through cultural differences, their path to healthy conflict resolution, Shruti's journey of becoming a full-time content creator and blogger, and even their year of living in London right after they got married. I just appreciate their realness on how both hard and beautiful being in an interracial relationship can be. Shruti shares a story where she actually cried at her wedding due to an incident with her parents and how they have grown since. And so without further ado, here is the incredible Shruti and Hank Parker. Welcome to the Love Intently podcast, Shruti and Hank. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just love the little posts that Truthy has written about your marriage and love, and I find them so inspiring. And I know it's spoken to so many others. But I would love to start this interview, um, just to hear a little bit about yourselves and your upbringing and how you guys ended up together. Yeah, absolutely. So, man, where do we even start? Um, <clears throat> so my background: I was born in India. And then I moved over here to the USA. Woo woo. And <laughs> yeah, we moved to good old Texas. And I grew up in Texas. Um, ended up going to school at UT Austin, Hook'em Horns. And um, that's where I met this guy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want to see your background? I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. I did not, I was not born in India. Um, <laughs> and I went to UT. Yeah. I studied architecture and some other major called Plan 2 Honors. No one's heard of it. I work as an architect in a real estate development company. You're fifth generation San Antonian, right? That's right. And I am first generation oh. American. So we, ha- we have very, very strong, different backgrounds. So that's been a fun, fun walk. Yeah. How old were you when you moved over? I was one. But my parents are, what, as Indian as it gets, I feel like. You know, English wasn't like the language we spoke at home. And if we wanted different food, it was usually Italian or American food. So, um, and had Indian yeah. food in time, actually. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm the first gen also, so I totally get that. Okay, so with that, when did you guys start dating and um, when in college did you guys kind of catch each other's eye? So we started dating my um, sophomore year of college and his freshman year of college. Um, so yes, I am older. What? And <laughs> um, He was in a fraternity and I was in their sister sorority. Basically, we knew of each other, but I was interested in someone else and he was dating um, a different girl in my sorority. And then, you know, we kind of, we all went to formal together in a group. Um, and then my thing fizzled out with this guy and then his relationship ended with that girl. We went our separate ways. Then that summer I went on a mission trip and he kept up with me as I was in India, you know, just sort of messaging me like very just funny charismatic things like 
oh, wow, you're eating from a banana leaf. Like, tell me more. Or, um, oh, wow, you're like drinking coconut water. And I don't know. So we have just really fun, like banter. It was fun. And I don't think either of us, we always say like, we never, ever thought for a second we would date. We just, like, I had never dated quite frankly, like a white boy and he had never dated somebody who was Indian. And, but I think, uh, at the end of that summer, we realized, whoa, like we have repeatedly been praying for somebody to walk in this life with together, somebody whose faith has been tested and who truly puts Jesus first. And so I just kind of feel like it, it was magnetic, like it ended up, we just had to be together. Right. Would you say that? And neither of us were looking for a relationship. Yeah. At the point we were starting to talk, um, we basically had both committed. We're like, we're done with this relationship thing. Like, uh, let's wait five, six years if God brings someone in our life. Okay. So when we started talking, it was more of a friendship than anything. It wasn't romantic for yeah. some time. Um, and then when we really got to know each other as friends, then we were like, wow, this person's like pretty cool. Yeah. And a little more interesting than just a friend. So, yeah, I'd say like, because there was no pressure to date, we were able to be our real selves really fast. And so we were just like silly, goofy, banterous, telling like terrible jokes and (laughs) puns. Um, But then also like randomly getting, you know, deep about things that the Lord was doing in our lives because I don't know, it was just nice to talk to someone without feeling like any pressure. You mentioned this a little bit, but with your different ethnic backgrounds and upbringings, how did your families respond when you first started dating? From my side, my parents were a little timid and a little confused. <laughs> um, and my parents, you know, have always been very encouraging to me. So they never came out and said, like, no, this is a bad idea. But there was sort of this undertone of, do you know what you're getting yourself into? Like different cultural backgrounds can be really difficult to navigate. And that's sort of like unspoken tension. I realized that more as we started dating and that's something we had to work through along yeah. the way. Mm. My parents, like my dad had no issue. He was just like, Oh, it, you know, like he's a great guy. You know, that's all that matters done. Like that was it for my dad. My mom, she and I kind of had this, like, I think it's a joke, but to her, it wasn't a joke where she would say things like, Oh, once you're 25, I will arrange a marriage for you. (laughs) And I kind of bargained. I was like, you know, if I'm 45, then maybe I'll consider that because, you know, I've seen arranged marriages play out in a good way too. But for myself, I was just like, no, I, I really am the kind of person where I trust that like the Lord has someone for me. And like, I don't want my mom to go on a dating website for myself, you know? Um, and so there was kind of that tension of like, like in Indian culture, they often say it's a love marriage if it's not arranged. And my mom was like, you know, the rate of people not making it from a love marriage is not very high and da da da. And I was like, mom, like, that's so outdated, you know, like, trust me, I'm going to pick somebody who I'm proud to bring home and who I'm excited to have beside me. Uh, And I think she definitely saw that with time. We did date for, we were together for four years before we got married. We were engaged for one and we're dating for three. But I think that length of time really helped her see what I saw in him and put away her, alleviated her fears of, you know, different cultures coming together. Mm. Do you have any advice for people that are kind of navigating the early stages of that? Because I know it can be so a, a little stressful and it's, you don't really know how to bring it up to your family or talk through their concerns. Um, do either one of you kind of have advice in regards of navigating through that? Navigating through specifically bicultural dating? Yeah. And especially like introducing it to families and just like how to do that in in the best way possible. Well, I think certainly there's a lot of prayer involved along the way and uh, internal reflection because it is an adjustment. It's not as easy as someone being from your own background, at least at first. It ends up being a huge blessing long term, but that's also how you navigate introducing the new culture to your family. So um, something that is really nice in truth in my relationship is that we have sort of understood from the get-go that 
we're going to have different opinions and worldviews and insights on things because we come from such different backgrounds and we should expect that. And so we, we come at conflict and change and difference a lot of times as a learning experience, as opposed to uh, my way's right and your way's wrong, because there's sort of this unspoken cultural language that you have to learn to really like understand that person. And so like with my parents, I had to coach them in certain ways. Like I was like, you will take off your shoes when you go in their house and it's going to make you feel a little uncomfortable. And yes, your feet might stink, but everyone else has their shoes off too. <laughs> um, but like little things like that. And then Shruti's family, she was telling them like different. Um, yeah. I told, my, I told my parents, I was like, they have like a different fork for like salads <laughs> than they do for like the food. And, um, you know, like, Hank's dad, he always stands up when a woman leaves the table or is like coming back. Like he's very like formal in that way. And my dad, he, he that, would, that would just not even be like on his wavelength. And, um, my parents are much more casual, I would say. And his parents are much more formal. And so like growing up in an Asian household and specifically mine, we didn't really say so many pleases and thank yous and things like that. Like, you know, all of that. And Hank's parents are super kind and they're very polite. And so my mom was like, Oh, they say please so much and they say thank you so much. And I was like, that's just culturally different. Like you just gotta learn. But like Hank said, if you just go in like with the mindset, even when you're introducing your parents or any conflict, if you just go in with the mindset of you're not trying to win and instead you're just trying to understand, then I think long term you'll have harmony and ultimately that's when relationships flourish. Mm-hmm. A practical example would be just how we handled conflict before we were together his background was one that they kind of kept all their emotions inside and were very formal with each other whereas mine everybody was sort of shouting but nobody ever actually apologized and so coming together i was very expressive but i had a hard time admitting when i was wrong and he would just keep all the emotion inside and not communicate So ultimately we both needed to learn how to communicate for each other. And that's why we are able to like grow now. Where did you, when and how, and where did you learn to do that? Like when did you recognize the differences and yeah, what finally made you guys realize how you guys handled conflict differently? Well, I think it just is different for every relationship. So I'm speaking kind of generally here, but it was kind of through conflict that we learned how to communicate better each person is so unique in the way they communicate the things that bother them, the things that make them really happy, the love languages they have. You kind of have to navigate those waters um, in each relationship. And we had a lot of conflict leading up to our marriage, but it's like we had to learn so much just how to communicate. Well, I would say timeline wise, it was the third year of us dating. So like the first year, you know, honeymoon phase, second year is still a bit of a honeymoon phase. That third year of dating, that was very tough for both of us because you were gone for study abroad quite a bit. And I was in my job, starting a new job. And we were, we were both just having so many different things being thrown at us that usually we could just rely on each other to, you know, hold each other up. But it was one of those things where we had to look inward and be like, okay, like I need to deal with you know, all these difficult situations because I'm taking it out on the other person. And I remember specifically, I have this one moment in my head where we were having this argument, what felt like it was such a big deal at the point at that point. And you were like, you know, I just need, I need to like go pray (laughs) because I'm so overwhelmed right now. I just need to go and pray. And I remember that just took my anger away like that. And thinking back to that moment, I was like, you said something, you were like, you need to figure out where you get this anger from. And I really did. I really thought about it. And it it came from what I saw, how I saw resolution happen with my own parents. And my mom would just get angry. Then my dad would shut down and walk away. And then the next morning, everything was fine, but we never actually saw what happened. And that, that was such a powerful moment. And honestly, like, I know a lot of people say, wow, you guys were together for four years before you got married. Yeah, it may have seemed like a long time to other people. But for us, we needed that time to work through so many things culturally before we could get 
to a place of harmony and be walking alongside each other. Mm. And I, I feel like you really have to have that. So we started with the confidence that the Lord had sort of put us together. And that was something that we were able to take into conflict as well in fighting for harmony. So it was something where it was like, you knew harmony was possible and it sometimes required a lot of humility to be able to just say, look, you know, these are the places that I'm wrong. I may not agree with the full scope of the argument, but I can apologize for this. And I, I guess what I'm getting to is having the determination to work through arguments and resolve conflict promptly and fight for harmony really led us to a place where we could accept cultural differences, speak openly about bottled up emotions or anger or frustration, mm -hmm. and ultimately bring us closer together, make those conflicts learning opportunities. Yeah. And like you said, we had a lot of conflict leading up to our marriage, which wasn't between us, actually. That year of engagement was really hard because um, my parents are not Christians. And so they were very, you know, just very unhappy with the way that our ceremony was being set up for our wedding. And just like lots of things that um, put us absolutely on the same side for every situation where we had to be there for each other and strong for each other. And, you know, it all worked out, but it, it wasn't like this fairy tale wedding in all aspects because ultimately we were having to stick to our guns even though it wasn't convenient yeah how has that been when did you kind of become a christian and how has it been navigating through a different religion than your parents so i became a believer right before college and it was truly refining with fire. Like, I just feel like I had so many things that like I was convicted of and the weight of my sin was just like crushing, but the freedom of grace was also like this surreal feeling. There's just a lot going on. And honestly, I was waiting and waiting and waiting and the day until I left my parents' household because I felt like biblically I needed to respect them not in their religious authority, obviously, but just like in other ways where it would have been so easy for me to just leave and like stop talking to them or put distance with them. I just felt like very strongly that, that was the selfish thing to do and not necessarily the right thing to do. So, you know, it was kind of a battle all through college of, okay, I got to, I got to keep Jesus as my number one, but I got to make sure I'm still respecting my parents. And then when we, you know, we're getting married, I was like, oh, I really see that day coming so soon when I'm out of their household and in another one. And I will say it was truly a battle. <laughs> like that wedding day, we had a couple, like a three-day wedding. And on the last day was a ceremony. And we had an Indian priest to come and do Indian traditions that were non-religious. So like putting the garlands on each other or tying the necklace around me, which is what they do instead of putting a ring on. And so, you know, fun things like that. And the priest agreed to our liturgy, which we worked with our pastor to, you know, put in scripture and all of that. But the priest, he sort of went off topic and he started to chant and do his own thing. And I remember just squeezing Hank's hand, like crushing his hand, sort of like tears in my eyes. Like we, like, what is this? Like, this is like blasphemy. Like we are not glorifying the Lord right now. And he just was so calm and he like looked at the audience and he said, we love coming from different cultures. And I love the fact that Shruti is Indian, but this wedding is about one God and two cultures and that God is Jesus and she's a Christian. And he just sort of like shared my testimony in front of 450 people. And let me tell you, if you have never looked into an audience where half of them love you and half of them are judging you, there is nothing like that feeling. Like I, I was looking at my in-laws parents or my in-laws faces. They were beaming with pride. Then I looked at my parents' faces and they, my mom was livid and my dad was stone cold. I just remember being like, Lord be glorified in this moment. Like there are so many people here who have not heard the gospel. Like, please use this. 
but I'm, I'm not going to say that it was just like all magical and perfect because it, it was, it was a very, very growing moment. And thankfully I can look back on it now as a victory. But during that moment, I was just like, why can't I just have the perfect wedding? <laughs> but, you know, and even now, like trying to navigate, you know, I'm out of their home and we're in our own household and trying to, you know, when they, when they come over and we pray before meals, I can see them like tense up. Or if they see my Bible on the table, my mom might make a comment like, oh, so I've been reading this other religious text or, you know, just sort of like, there's always this tension, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like I wouldn't give up my faith because ultimately God created my family and my family doesn't create my God. Mm. Yeah, that's so powerful. And even just to hear how you stuck to your guns, I know how hard that is, especially in more of an Asian background where honor and respect for parents is such a high thing. Um, so I can only imagine. But something I did want to kind of ask you guys about was how has that impacted you since being married between the two of you? How has that been in navigating your day-to-day life? Has there been like funny little weird stories of just different habits and things? Or do you have any stories around that? <laughs> well, okay. So I'm a vegetarian because I was brought up vegetarian. Hank is like as red meat Texan as they come. And so <laughs> the first time I made a steak, I was so proud of my steak. And he was like, oh, wow. Like, thank you. (laughs) I was like, what do you rate the steak? One out of 10. And he was like, Oh yeah, it's like a seven. It's good. And then a couple months passed and I was like, honestly, what did you think of that steak? And he was like, ah, it was like maybe a two. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think I'm still getting used to taking. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm still getting used to taking off my shoes every time I come to the house. Um, quite often I'll like just go to the kitchen and Drew will be like, what are you doing? I sit on that floor. Why are you wearing shoes? <laughs> yeah, the shoes is a thing. Also like wedding wise, um, we like, in, like I'd never grown up going to weddings where they did registries. Like we always just gave cash. And so when he was like, we need to sign up for our registry. I was like, what, what? what are you talking about? And so that was, that was really funny. What else? I feel like there's so many, Oh, sometimes my mom and my dad, they'll like start talking in our native language and I forget that he doesn't understand. And so like, we'll all be laughing and then I'll look over at him and I'm like, Oh wait, let me translate. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. This is the best one. This is the best one. I just remembered. You have to tell them how I introduced you to my family in India. All right, so here I am dating Shruti, thinks she's amazing, wanting to make a good impression on her grandparents, cousins, aunts. They're all hanging out in the house together in India. And so we're Skyping them. They all want to meet me because we're you know, getting pretty serious. And Shruti has coached me before the introduction and wanted to teach me some Telugu so that I could communicate with them and really impress them. And so she says, Hank, the word for hello is kusu. And so I said, okay, so I, how do I pronounce it? Do I say kusu, kusu? She, she helped me get my pronunciation right. So then um, she opened Skype. She started the, commu- the conversation, started speaking in Telugu. And I didn't know what she was saying. Then she said, and this is Hank. And so then I said, um, Kusu family, like thinking I was saying hello. <laughs> Little did I know that the Telugu word uh, for fart is Telugu, is um, Kusu. And so the very first word that I said to her family brought them all into hysterics. And I had no clue why. And he kept saying it over. He was like, like Kusu. Kusu. <laughs> and they were just like, why does he keep saying fart? They were just in stitches. I, I thought they just thought it was funny that I was speaking in Telugu. Yeah. But it obviously it broke the ice like that. And they were just like, oh, he's got a great sense of humor. Like we already love him. And so it was, it was awesome. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. That's a story to tell. <laughs> 
like your grandkids. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) So funny. Um, What has been one of the biggest conflicts between the two of you since you've been married or even before you alluded to some conflicts that you'd work through, but um, do you have any advice for couples that are, you know, in the first few years of marriage and just navigating, learning to live together and all these different things together? Um, Are there any practicals as far as like how you guys handle fights and conflicts that you guys could offer? Well, just sort of general advice and then we can go into uh, specific situations. But um, I think one key thing that we've always really strived for is uh, something that my dad told me, and it's also biblical, that don't let the sun set on your conflict or your disagreement. Um, And so even if it's obnoxious and annoying and frustrating and you're tired, find a way to find peace and harmony before you go to sleep. So that was something that was, has been very important to us. And it also means that we don't keep grudges and arguments into the next few days. Yeah. Um, I also think practically you cannot bring something up once it's happened. You can't say, well, you always, you never, you used to, like those kind of words are really powerful. Don't use absolutes. You don't use absolutes. And if you don't bring it up, then don't, don't think it's okay to bring it up way down the future. Like either bring it up then and there and address it or let it go and truly let it go. That's been something we always say. We're like, we can't use, we can't say like A, B, C, D from times and times ago. I'd also say that other they, okay, so for, in my opinion, our biggest conflict since we've been married was a month after we got married. Um, so it was about two years ago, but it sounds really frivolous, but it, what it comes down to was not understanding each other's needs. So we just moved to abroad. We just moved to London and I wanted to go and buy some pillows because I wanted to sleep in our flat comfortably he just wanted to go to our flat because he was tired and I wanted to start unpacking and the way that I would feel comfortable in the home was to feel like I'd done something with unpacking before anything else. Yeah. He wanted to go unpack. I wanted to go and get some pillows and then go home, unpack, go to sleep. He was like, Oh, we can just like sleep with like put towels and like go to sleep. Like it's not a big deal. We'll do that tomorrow. And this escalated so quickly to me being like, you don't understand my needs. Like I'm in a brand new city in a brand new country. I really would just like to make our home feel like a home by buying something and having a pillow to go back to. And for him, it was like, you don't understand my needs. I want to get our home under control ASAP right now. I have work tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so basically we just, we got so frustrated. We ended up walking different directions in London. Like I went into a store and he went to a park then we came back together and um, we did buy those pillows, but <laughs> we also went home and unpacked. I don't, I don't really understand why that escalated so fast. I, I think it was, I wanted what I wanted right now and you wanted what you wanted right then. And we didn't stop to think, okay, how can we do both things? And that's kind of changed the course of our conflict from, from then on. We're, we're always like, okay, our needs are different. Let's figure out a way to do both or to meet in the middle. Mm. Where do you guys draw your inspiration from? Or are there people that you guys look to as mentors or books that you've read? Um, what things have really helped you in your relationship? I'd say really are big fans of the five love languages and yes. regularly check in on if our love languages are still the same or if they've changed because they have changed through the course of us dating. And it's also very interesting how you give love is different than how you get love sometimes. And so or how, how you give love is different than how you want love. So um, those two, and I'd say people we look up to, at least myself, I really look up to Hank's dad because I think he is a just a pillar of strength. He is so kind and sacrificial and giving and like he is just salt of the earth. And I don't know, I always, I always think like he is the closest Hank's dad is the closest person I've met to like oldest and closest person to what I imagine God is probably like, because he's such a just Christ centered man. And the way that he loves his wife makes me like 
totally trust that like Hank is doing his best to love me too, because he's got a dad like that. And then also I would say, obviously like Jesus and the way that he sacrificially loved people, but also said like, come and follow me. And if, if you didn't get up and, you know, follow him, then he just kept walking. So I feel like I learned a lot about strength and forgiveness and grace from God. I think there's something to be learned from both of our parents. I mean, both sets of parents in that they're, they're, they've both been married for a long time now. I was always really inspired by Shruti's parents that actually did have an arranged marriage and really learned to love each other in time, even though it wasn't like initially sort of a love marriage. Um, and I found that really cool because they hadn't chosen their spouse. They, they had to learn, they had to adapt, they had to do that. And at some points I've thought of the same thing. Like if Shruti and I had had an arranged marriage, not that this world would have made that happen probably, <laughs> but um, I, I would have had to adapt so much. Mm-hmm. And at times where that cultural divide seems really large, that's been a reminder for me. But I think we've been really blessed with parents that have shown steadfast and enduring marriages that haven't even considered the D word divorce. My parents, when they got married, basically said, we'll never utter that word in our relationship. And that was an agreement that they had together, but we've been really blessed with the parents to do that. But I think for other couples that don't necessarily have parents that have been married for a long time, it, finding someone at the church or someone in the community that does have a godlike relationship that they can emulate, it's so important. Mm-hmm. Okay, y'all. I have something super exciting to share with you. How many of you guys enjoy a glass of wine or two during date night or girls' night? Well, let me introduce to you Wink, who makes it super easy to discover great wine from the comfort of your home, and that's W-I-N-C. Wink's wine expert selects wines matched to your taste, personalized for you, and ships it straight to your door, and it just starts at $13 a bottle. Did I mention there's no shipping cost? If you don't like a bottle they send you, they will replace the bottle with something that you love, no questions asked. And there's nothing quite like coming home to a bottle of wine that's selected just for you. All you have to do is fill out Wink's palette profile quiz, answer some simple questions that your average store clerk wouldn't ask or even translate into a recommendation. These questions include things like, how do you like coffee? Or how do you feel about blueberries? Then Wink sends wines curated to your taste. And the more wines that you rate, the more personalized your monthly selections become. Each month, there are new wines, like their insanely popular Summer Water Rosé. There's no membership fees. You can skip any month, cancel any time. Shipping is covered, and you can discover great wine today. All you have to do is go to wink.com, which is W-I-N-C.com, and we're giving you $22 off of your first shipment using a code LOVEINTENTLY, one word. And that's L-O-V-E-I-N-T-E-N-T-L-Y. Again, that's wink.com with a promo code of love intently for $22 off. And did I mention that's almost two bottles on the house? So really, you got nothing to lose. Try out some great wine. Tell us how it is. I wanted to go back and touch base on your time in London. So did you guys move there right after you got married? We were married June 4th and we were in London July 4th and we packed all our stuff up and basically came with two suitcases to London and had a little bit of a move-in budget. And so we went to Ikea and furnished our 385 square foot apartment and loved every minute of it. Oh yeah. It was so great. That's my number one piece of a, like, I don't know if advice is the word, but like recommendation to newly married people, I would say pick up and move like at least for one year or six months, just go with your spouse and create roots in that friendship. Just the two of you, like literally if I wanted to go watch a chick flick, I had no girlfriends there. He'd have to come with me. And if he wanted to go and 
you know, go to some museum or go look at these architectural beautiful buildings he was like okay like you're coming with me and so we took turns being the compromise exactly compromise be each other's best friend truly be each other's best friend and i i just don't think there's a more fun experience than having just the other person in a completely new environment and you don't hold on to past memories or how things are done when it's something completely new to you further the time zones helped so being in a different time zone from our families meant that we weren't able to call them if we got into a conflict or whatever. We had to resolve it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I couldn't just be like, I couldn't call my best friend or girlfriend and be like, let's go get happy hour. Like, I need to talk to you about this. And I mean, granted, we did find community there from our church, which was amazing. But it was the first time that we were just Hank and Truthy Parker. We weren't like I wasn't truthy with all of my girlfriends from college and he wasn't Hank with all of his guy friends from college. We were just the two of us. And we were recognized um, as a unit exactly. immediately with all of the new people we met instead of being like, Oh, it's Hank. Oh, and now he's married. Yeah, exactly. And so I feel like when we moved back, that's what my parents always said. They're like, it just seems like you guys grew so much while you were away. And I was like, well, we had to, we, we were each other's only other person for a couple of months before we got plugged in and met other people. Yeah. And it seems like it was such a fun adventure too. London does not seem like a shabby place to have to be. Oh, it was fantastic. We were able to travel to a different country every month and just like the food and the architecture, everything was just, uh, it was wonderful. Always something else to see. Mm-hmm. What has been one of your favorite dates and through all your adventures and stuff? It seems like you guys have experienced quite a bit together. Favorite dates? I know mine. Do you know yours? Man, the pressure's on. (laughs) I think it's a, for me, it's, it's just really great quality time. Like we've done a few really incredible, what would think of is like, what one would think of is a Hollywood style date. Like when, Shruti visited me in Paris when I was studying abroad there. I took her to the Eiffel Tower and we had dinner and a view and everything else. That was really incredible. But that one, it was kind of loud and there wasn't as much like great quality time tied to it. I think it's, for me, it's a collection of all of these small memories of really good quality time, good dinners, good trying new things and food over the course of our, I don't know, every Thursday night. We, we've had a committed policy of every Thursday night that we're in the same city, we'll have date night. And that's been really good with my hectic, what was school life and now work life. Um, Architecture is a demanding field and sometimes it's difficult to plan for. And one thing that Shruti could always count on was that I would be available on Thursday night, rain or shine, no matter what deadline was happening the next day. And that sort of consistency helped us to um, always spend time together. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, that was off topic. Specific date. Oh, actually, I loved having dinner in the car, but my favorite <laughs> date night ever was our first date night because it was the first time a man had the guts to ask me on a date and not say, want to hang out. <laughs> he called me. He didn't text me. He oh. called me and said, I would love to take you out to dinner. I'd like to pick you up at seven o'clock. What's your address? And I remember I was thrift shopping when I got that call. I was floored. I was like, who calls people anymore? (laughs) And, you know, sure enough, he came to pick me up and all of my girlfriends came over before to help me get ready. And they're all hiding, watching him. They're like in the bathroom, like, Oh my gosh, he's here. He's here. Oh my gosh. And we hear his like steps because he was wearing cowboy boots. And so he's, he was with his boots on. He was like six foot eight. And I just opened the door and I was like, wow, like I am so impressed and we haven't even left the house. (laughs) So honestly, like the first date for me, I I just, everything about it, like the whole planning dinner and taking me to like a good 
place and you know he like took me to go get chai after because he knew I loved chai and the hours of conversation and dropping me home at a reasonable time because I'm not a night person I don't know just everything about it I I was floored that they made men who had like the confidence to ask women out you know like oh I love that date I it really set the bar high for me I was just like this guy is different yeah, that's it's true. They're rare. And so <laughs> guys, so listen to this one again. That's awesome. Um, okay, so I something I also wanted to touch base on was you becoming a blogger. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you live a pretty public life. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. How's that affected your marriage? How's that been for you, Hank, to know that she's writing about parts of her her life and um, her marriage. Um, how has that been in navigating all that? I've really appreciated the vulnerability that Shruti's had on her platform. And the times that I may have felt somewhat like, and I, I can't even think of specifics right now, but like maybe it was something more private than I wanted shared. It was actually because I still hadn't resolved the like inner feelings I'd had about that situation. And I actually needed to apologize to her about something. And so it was like some shame, like in my own heart. And so I guess where I'm going with this is that uh, we're, we're called to be a light in this world. And I have from the get go really felt Shruti's calling to this platform that she's built. And specifically for its purpose of bringing people to know Jesus. And if there's any part of my life that could help aid in that process, I don't want to hide that. Um, And so I've been really uh, grateful for the vulnerability she's had. And then also take it with a sense of humor. Like sometimes she shared embarrassing stories about me, but I mean, it's funny. Get over yourself. (laughs) Share it with other people. It doesn't matter. I also like not many people know this, but any time before I share an image or written content, I get his eyes on it. That's actually true. Um, Just because I don't want to be a humble bragger or self-glorifying or unbiblical or, you know, sharing a prosperity gospel or something like I want to be held accountable. I have no problem with someone giving me honest accountability because especially with him, because I know his intentions are hundred percent for my good. And so if there's a picture that I'm like, Oh, is this a little bit, you know, is this a little, you know, risque? And and he'll just be like, uh, nope, that's fine. Or "Hmm, I don't know. Like, what do you think? I, I, I'm not so sure about this. And then, so he's, he's not like somebody who's like, no. And yes, he just sort of gives me his input and I take it pretty seriously because he's my husband and I love him and I trust him. Same with the captions. Like, a couple of weeks ago, um, we were laughing about how one of the times that we've had strong conflict years ago was when he pulled an all-nighter in college, but that made him late for our date night because he fell asleep. And so he came to date night two hours late and I was livid because I thought he was standing me up. I didn't realize that he'd fallen asleep. And when he came into the house to pick me up, I was so mad. I was just like, how could you be two hours late for our date? Like I've been waiting, sitting here for two hours and he ended up farting (laughs) and like the anger totally left the room because the fart was in the room. But like we were, we just started like crying from laughing so hard. And I, I, I asked him, I was like, can I share that story? Because that was honestly one of the best moments of our dating life. Like we just, realize like things happen like oh oh my goodness he's two hours late sure but he still showed up and he he had a great excuse you know not excuse like he had a great reason he was so tired and i was being selfish by being angry and so you know at first he was like oh like i don't know and then he was like you know what actually go for it everybody farts <laughs> so yeah. um, you know i i respect him 100 percent, and i want him to feel comfortable with what i share and there are i have pretty strict boundaries for myself on things I won't share. Like I don't personally, I don't share like swimsuits photos and um, I don't share about like married people, like bedroom things. Like they're just things that I, I think you just don't need to know. And um, if there's any chance that 
it could make him slightly uncomfortable, I, I usually don't share it. That's incredible because I think a lot of people do wonder about that. Um, how long have you been building your blog and your platform? I have been blogging for almost two years. And I started it as a nine to five, which is the reason why it, it like it never started as a hobby. It just started as my nine to five because we were in London and the job I took while I was over there fell through. And I come from a background where I was working nine to five, nine to five. And so I was like, I need to do something. You know, I need to put all my focus in something. And I was like, you know what? I'm in another country. Why don't I start blogging and writing? And that's where it took off. Wow. What was that process like? When did you start realizing, wow, this is actually becoming a thing and um, I can really make a full-time living on this? Um, I would definitely say it took a while, right? Like I would say I realized it could be a full-time thing probably, what, after a year? Yeah. I think that's fair. After a year. I, we, we had a vision for it and we knew that people had done it before and we felt a calling that this was meant for true. And so we really went after it and um, just sort of trusted that the Lord would provide. And he provided in a number of different ways for us along the way. Yeah. We prayed a lot. We said, shut the door if this is not what you want. Like, absolutely shut the door. Totally fine with it. Like, just bring me what you want me to do. He never shut the door and he actually shut other doors that I was trying to go in, like of normal nine to fives. And so you can ask him, it was incredibly frustrating. I was like, I'm just trying to get a normal job, God. Like, can you just, you know, like I'm trying to just help provide for my family. But it just seems like he kept affirming the blogging route. And um, it wasn't until I'd say the first year after the first year, I was like, okay, I could really actually do this. And being almost at the end of year two, I'm so, so glad we stuck with it. Mm. And also, I just want to say my blog would not be where it is today if it wasn't for Hank, because he's the one who's done like my website and the hosting and like helped me with all the technical things that I definitely don't know. Like the most technical thing I can do is like Microsoft Word. And so he's, he's done the research. He's done research for me. And it's cool. It's like a passion project for you. Yeah. Mm. What has been helpful? Because I know in the day to day, you kind of have your head in the weeds and it's kind of like an emotional roller coaster of being an entrepreneur and starting a blog for the first time. Uh, what is, if you, you have any advice for other spouses that are wanting to support their significant other who's starting a blog or wanting to do this full time, what's, what, what's been some of the most helpful things or supportive things that Hank has done that you could pass forward? Oh my goodness. So many things. Once a month, he initiates a a business meeting. <laughs> so we like sit down with our laptops, cup of coffee, and we just talk about, you know, like a SWOT analysis, like strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And we just kind of write it all out. We write, you know, budgeting. We, we go through everything about it. And he's never not treated my blog as a business. It's always been a business, which I appreciate because it makes me feel like he takes me seriously. He respects me. And, um, in that in turn, it makes me like love and respect him even more. So honestly, give your spouse time, help them take themselves seriously. Because sometimes I lack confidence and I'll be like, Oh, like, Oh yeah. Like I, I'll just charge this much or whatever. And he'll be like, don't undersell yourself. Like you have created this and like do this. And he, he is my business manager, honestly, like if it weren't for him, I'm telling you the blog wouldn't be where it is. And then also just give them, like I said about giving them time, give them the ability to kind of just share with you where they're feeling when they're feeling down about what's going on uh, work-wise. Because like you said, when you're in the weeds, you get in your head, you, you start just thinking all of these things that end up not being true. and me having the ability to just share the things that are going on and him having the ability to speak truth into that situation. Uh, it just alleviates like so much pressure off of me for him to be like, that's false because ABC and that's false because ABC and that's false. And I'm like, Oh, you're right. You're right. And then 
you know, you just, yeah, our mind is our worst enemy sometimes. So another thing I wanted to bring up was what are you currently working on and how can we support you and how do people find you? Um, so I'm currently working on, well, I just, I'm a content creator. That's like my number one thing. And so I try to push out new content one to five times a week. And that's not just photography on like an, on social media, that's like written content, on my blog. So you can find me at the honest truth on Instagram or www.com or .com, www.thehonestshruth, like S H R E T H.com. That's sort of my, um, handle across all channels. So yeah. Awesome. I will definitely link that in the show notes. Okay. So we have three last questions. Uh, the first one is what are your favorite parts about your significant other and why? I really love Shruti's generosity. She gives first to everyone around her and she gives freely and she gives abundantly. She's always the person that throws the biggest, best party for her friends, even if they don't do the same for her. And so she really celebrates other people well and generously. I think I really love Shruti's positivity and just how she keeps things light. I can sometimes be a cynic and sort of think on the negative side of things or, or I can just be down sometimes. And Shruti is so good about like making a joke or coming up and poking me or doing something just like irritating, but funny. Um, and so it, it just gets us both in stitches and it's great. So I love that about her. Oh, um, gosh, how do I even start his intelligence? I think a lot of times people, you know, they're like, all you need is like faith in Jesus and that's it. And like to a certain extent, yes, absolutely. But he has also given us gifts in ways that we can use to glorify him. You know, like we're not made to be complacent and mediocre and just to like be like, Oh, but that's okay. Cause you know, I just love Jesus. Like he's given you those skills to show his glory. And so what I love about Hank is his intelligence, how he uses that in ways to benefit other people. And he thinks about ways he can help, you know, other situations. He's, he's just always innovating and creating and thinking. And I love watching that because it inspires me to keep pushing myself too. And then my third thing that I really love about you is his ability to seek harmony in every situation. So I never really like understood how humility or like, you know, the term meek, how the Bible like calls like meekness strength, but like our culture can use that term as like weakness, but it's not, it's like such self-assurance and such self-confidence that you don't have to be right or loud or proven. You know, you just like know in your heart and your soul, you're like, you know, I, I already know what, what I've said and what I've done, I know I'm right or I'm this or that, but I don't have to prove it. I would say that's another thing I love about him. Like his incredible humility, his ability to not have to like show how X, Y, Z he is. He doesn't have to show anybody how intelligent he is or how ambitious he is or how handsome he is or whatever. He's just like, you know what, that I am who I am. And like, I'm good. I'm, I'm secure. I'm confident. And I, that absolutely comes from a, an overwhelming trust in Jesus. Otherwise, I think he would not be so confident. It's cool. I love that your confidence comes from Christ. Mm, that's so beautiful, guys. Okay, my next question, I guess I'm cheating because I have four, three more questions, but you guys talk so much about dating and, and I think you guys have just so much wisdom around that because you guys dated for quite some time and before you got married and also had a lot of trials during that time. So what's the best dating advice that you could give to somebody in those years of getting to know each other? I would say dating is not a game. Like I believe dating is for the purpose of marriage and something that we both said to each other from the first date was if you don't see this as a place where you could be married to me, just tell me 
And so we, we kind of kept that going the whole time. We're like, the reason for this is because it could end up in marriage. It could be in marriage. It could be in marriage. And it did end in marriage, but it's because we both entered into it with that understanding rather than one person like thinking, oh, I, I could possibly marry this person to, to the other person being like, oh, I'm just doing this for fun. Like, I, I don't really think if, if, you, if you guys aren't on the same page, it's not going to end well, <laughs> you know? Yeah. What about you? Um, I mean, we've already stressed it a few times. Um, I think learning to communicate with each other is really important learning how to voice your frustrations, uh, the things that bother you and not either overpowering the other person. If you tend to be someone that is angry or loud or bottling up those emotions, if you tend to be someone that's a little more passive, like you need to learn how to communicate those things and you'll mess up like over and over again. And you'll say something wrong and maybe the content of what you're saying is, is right. And it's bang on. And that's exactly what you're thinking. Um, but your delivery is wrong. Uh, and you learn how that person can receive what you have to say and make it constructive. One thing that we always said is uh, if we don't learn something from an argument, it's wasted time and it's uh, wasted energy. And who wants to waste their time and energy? And so like somewhere in the argument, we try to do our best to make it a learning experience as opposed to just an unpleasant experience. And um, I think keeping that in mind is really important. I think that with dating, like I know that biblically you're one when you're married and I get all that, but I still think with even in dating, if you if you can change your perspective from me versus you to we, but we're still trying to figure out like what that looks like. I just I think that's the way to go because when you're trying to win a fight, it like yeah, you waste time fighting unproductively. But when you're trying to win a fight, you just add like you inject some sort of poison into the relationship. You know what I mean? Like the goal should be getting closer, not winning, and. You can figure that out from day one of just being like, okay, this person likes me. I like this person. Like, let's, let's figure this out. We're not against each other. If you can just remember that, oh, it'll save you so many hours of unnecessary, prideful conflict. I think meeting with an apology is also important. So like, if you want harmony in that argument, um, you may be totally right and justified why you're angry and all the points you're making are sound reasoning and you had very little at fault in that argument but if pretty much in any argument you can still find if you think about it some place where you have wronged the other person uh, whether it's in your delivery or what you said was harsh or whatever it was you can still apologize for something and uh, leading with an apology i think is something that it's important if you can really genuinely offer that. Yeah. Also, I wouldn't say, sorry, there's just so much on dating. Like, um, I think women need to keep their standards high. And I think men need to keep their levels of fear low. So there are so many amazing men out there that I know that are terrified of asking a girl on a date. And I'm like, bro, if you just asked her, she would say yes. Like, like what's up? And they're just scared. And then at the same time, I have girlfriends that are like, oh, like he hasn't taken me on a date in six months, but you know, I, I think he likes me. And I'm like, girl, like keep your standards high. Like you're going to get what you settle for. So anyways, those are just two things. I always tell my girlfriends, I'm like, high standards, low fear, high standards, low fear. <laughs> That's so good. Yes. We're going to retweet that. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know if this will be different, but I do also want to know what's the best relationship advice you've ever received or could give. And this could apply to more marriage or just more general relationship advice. I mean, one that comes to mind, which I've already said was this, that my dad basically said that in their relationship, they decided together that they would never mention the word divorce. Um, and I, 
in any serious way. And so I think that that what it really means when you unpack that is we're going to fight for this marriage and we're not going to give up on it. And that attitude is one that we have brought into our marriage. And no matter how exhausted we can be or how much we don't agree with each other, I, I also don't want to give the impression that we're always fighting. Like <laughs> we, we've talked so much about arguments here. We're actually in harmony. I'd say like 95 yeah. plus percent of the time. Um, but we, I, just, we fought a lot while we were dating. And <laughs> it, it took us a while to figure out how to communicate well, yeah. but now the length of our arguments has decreased and the number of times we actually feel hurt is very few and far yeah. between. Um, but yeah, yeah. You just, I think when you use the word, like we're going to basically the world doesn't want you to stay together if things get sour, right? Like the world is like, Oh, you don't like it. Return it. And basically Take it for a test drive. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What if you just fall out of love or blah, 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 whatever. But I think what you're saying when you're saying like we fight against that, it's like, we're going to, we're going to work together. Like this is it. We're, we are committed and this is what we're doing. I would also say in my opinion, the best relationship advice I ever got was from this couple, Howard and Carol, they've been married 63 years and he's still like they're in their nineties. Okay. And when we got dinner with them recently, and she came into the room, he was like, my, my, doesn't she look beautiful? And I, I was sitting there like, wow, oh my goodness, he's so cute. But literally like the small touches, like he has his hand on her back and she like fills his water for him. And, you know, they have their hands on each other. I was just like, how, like, this is amazing. They are so in love, like 63 years later. And um, what Howard said that really stuck out to me was that, you don't become this angry old person when you're older. You are who you've always been. You just have less defenses. And so he was like, those angry old people, they've always been angry. Those sad old people, they've always been sad. So you choose how you're going to be in your old age, especially if that, if your partner is still around. And so that's something that I don't know. It's kind of convicted me of like little behaviors. I was like, okay, this isn't just like a thing. Like this could be me, you know, God willing, we're still like, I still have him. And he asked me 63 years from now, but like, do I want to be that person that has like sharp comments or who rolls her eyes quickly or things like that? No, I don't want to be that kind of an older person because I'm not, I'm not going to have like my defenses of youth and distractions and things like that. So basically whoever you are right now is who you're going to be when you're older. You're just not going to be able to hide it and take that into every relationship. Seek harmony, seek peace. And like Hank said, it's, it's actually often hard to lead with an apology. Mm, yeah, that's so powerful. And, and I think you're absolutely, we talked a lot about conflict, but I think it's really evident in our conversation that you are where you are and you have all this wisdom because of how much you've worked through it. But I thought it was so powerful how you said you never walk away from conflict without trying to learn something. Um, and something a pastor once told me was if you, if one of you loses, both of you lose. And I think that's so true in a lot of times, like we're taught to be prideful and want to win, but it, you both have worked so hard at just really wanting to be a team. And I think that's so beautiful and so powerful. And I know a lot of people will gain a lot from that. So thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Uh, my last question for you is what does it mean to you to love intently? I guess when I think of the word intently, I think of a mixture of the words intentional and intense. And so I think it's hard to be when you have a lot of power, it's intense and it's hard to direct a lot of power. You need a lot of focus, which is where intentionality comes in. So when I think of love intently, I think of Jesus. I think of his perfect love. I think of the fact that he did and does love intently. And that's honestly the number one example for any relationship, friendship or romantic. That's really good. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I think to love intently is to to persevere, uh, mm -hmm. to make a decision to love the person. It's it's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. You can feel 
an attraction or an intimacy with someone, but like I think of love as an action, not as just a noun. And you really have to choose to do that on a daily basis with your spouse or significant other, uh, because sometimes they're great and you think of them as the most amazing person in the world, an angel drop from heaven. And then sometimes they have their off days and they couldn't be further from that. So, <laughs> but um, you, you just, you have to make a decision to love intently. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, I just want to thank you both for the way that you just share your love so openly. And I know you've given up a lot to build your platform and to be so open and vulnerable with your thoughts. And And I know so many people have healed and learned a lot from the things that you share. So thank you. Well, thank you. That's really sweet of you. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a review so that others can join the conversation as well. On our next episode, we have the marvelous Brad and Tammy Miller from Tandem Marriage. They've known each other since they were 12 and 13, and they have been married for 33 years. They share the ups and downs of how they've made it work, even though they are complete opposites. And divorce was common on both sides of their family. They didn't want that to be the case for them. So they worked really hard to make it work. And in this episode, they share their wisdom and secrets and insights. They even share their insights in their new book called Ready to Surrender, a book on overcoming poor communication. Be sure to look out for our next episode. Until next time, with love and intention, 